Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you use the word compromise, you probably think about it positively. Most of us apply compromise to our relationship with loved ones and friends, even as a part of a sports team or at work or anytime you're in a group, there will always be a need for compromise. But today, Pastor Jim explains what happens when you become compromised. This is one of those life lessons that unfortunately is learned the hard way through experience. So be warned that you will face this in your life, but you are not alone. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelations chapter two as he begins his message, The Poison of Compromise. In all types of situations in life, I think we would all agree that compromise is very important. If you're married, you know this. If there's not a compromise in a marriage, there is going to be a lot of pain. You also need compromise on your job. You need compromise anytime you get a group of people together and they all have different ideas on different things. You need some sort of compromise with stuff like that. Some of you are too young to know this, but there used to be compromise in politics. They used to have this thing called reaching across the aisle, which would mean you'd find somebody who you disagree with and you'd reach across and you'd say, let's get along. Now you reach across and strangle them or you just destroy them on the internet with a keyboard or you do it on uh, an interview or something like that. But what about the church? How is the church supposed to think about this stuff? How are we supposed to compromise with the world and even worse, What happens when the church marries the world? That can be a very, very difficult situation. Now, let's be honest from the outset. If we're fighting over every little thing, nobody will listen to us. Sometimes we got to let some things slide, so there must be appropriate compromise. There will always be critics outside the church. You might as well get used to that. If you're new to the faith, you might as well get used to that. There will always be critics from outside the church. But Jesus is more concerned about compromise inside the church. More often than not, the church's compromise is theological and ethical. Usually the bad theology leads to the bad ethics. A lot of times people don't want to talk too much about that stuff in this day and age because they just want to please people, they want everybody to leave happy, or they're just trying to attract a crowd. Today we come to the third church in Revelation chapter 2, the church at Pergamum. The modern day name is Pergamos, so if I go back and forth between the two names, it's just, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. There are some good things about the church, but there are also some theological and ethical drift, and that's something that every church has to be wary of and every Christian has to be wary of is some sort of theological and ethical drift and that was an issue for this church. Followers of Jesus in Pergamos were daily fighting the pressures of a pagan society. There were lots of false gods in their, in their city. There was a god for basically for everything. Today, our culture is, there are unseen gods or but we are definitely a more secular, godless type culture. But a true follower of Jesus, a faithful believer, and if that's not you today, if you're here, you're watching online or listening on the radio, we're glad that you're with us. A true follower of Jesus were and are today committed to remaining faithful to Jesus. In this text, we're going to see 
as encouraging as last week may have been, this week, and a number of people emailed, and a number of online people emailed, thank you for your email, in this text we really see how serious ungodly compromise is to the Lord, and it's, to me it's just like it was written to the church in America today. Jesus is warning them, he's warning us about assimilation into the culture about becoming too close to the culture, I use the term marrying into the world, and adopting the values and ideas of the culture at the expense of the values and culture of what heaven has for us, what the Lord has for us. It looks like here, and this is something that was a temptation for all of us, is that the people in Pergamos were trying to fit in. They were trying to be relevant. Today, everybody wants to be uh, hip and cool, but they were drinking, the title of our message today, The Poison of Compromise. Third message in our series, Christ's Timeless Messages for His Church. So we're going to use the same outline that we've used in the other previous studies. If you don't know what it is, then you'll know what it is when we're done, hopefully, if you're taking notes, if you want. Number one, the Christ. The Christ. He always starts out with some comment. This is the Jesus telling the Apostle John what to write, and he always talks about something about himself. So this is the risen and ascended into heaven Christ telling the Apostle John what to write. Verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, or the sharp double-edged sword. Uh, this title is short but not sweet. This type of sword was not a short one. It's a five-foot-long sword, not a little dagger, not a pocket knife. This is the kind of a sword that you take into battle. Jesus, so the picture is this. Jesus says, I am coming to you, but if you continue okay, to compromise, I will come to you in judgment. So it's not the easiest thing to hear. And this was an easy place to compromise. It was a well-educated city with tons of false gods and false temples everywhere, everywhere you went. No matter what it is you wanted in life, they had a God for it. So you want more money, you go over here. You want love, you go over here. You want health, you go over here. No matter where you go, you go to, there's plenty of places you could go. And the idea of the sword of Jesus is his absolute authority. Jesus says, no, these other false gods are not the authority. I am the authority. I've come from heaven. And also the word of God itself is often called a sword. So if you carried your Bible in today, this is if you got young boys, this is how you do it. You get them to carry their Bible. You say, you know, it says in the Bible that it's a sword, man. You want to carry your sword to church? And they'll be like, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> Trust me, it works. <laughs> okay. And so that's a sword. So the choice facing them is the same one that faces us. Do we want to be judged by the culture, or do we want to be judged by Jesus Christ? That, that's what we all have to think about, and you say, when you put it that way, Pastor Jim, yeah, we put it that way. That's sometimes the way we need to think of, of such things. Now, the challenge is, whose sword do you fear more? The sword of those who you know, or the sword of Jesus Christ? Whose sword do you respect more. Now, this is not children's church anymore, is it? This is serious stuff that he's going to talk about. So point number two is he always then goes from himself, he gives them a condemnation. So number two, the commendation, verse 13. 
I know your works. Now, just like last week we said, this is not in most versions. It's a textual variant. It, it means you know, they were copying over time. You say, well, that means the Bible's inaccurate. No, if everything was exactly the same, there'd be a problem. Okay? People copy over time. Sometimes they're helping God out, or sometimes they think they should write something, or the, maybe the previous guy got it. So anyway, most versions say, I know where you dwell, or I know where you live, where Satan's throne is. Sounds like a nice place, right? It's like, is that New York City? <laughs> and hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith. So you live in Satan's city, but you didn't deny the faith. You didn't deny my faith. Another version says, you did not renounce your faith in me. Even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed. So one of the guys in their church was killed among you where Satan dwells. So Jesus begins, he says, hey, listen, I know this. I know that you guys live in the city of Satan, and many of you may feel like you live in the city of Satan, right? Maybe sometimes you look at what goes on around, and you're like, this is a craziness, and it's not an easy place to follow Jesus. He says, yet you are. But notice Jesus doesn't like, there's no excuses attached to it. You don't find that in Jesus. He's not like, well, I know it's hard, so don't worry about it. But does it? He says, you follow Jesus. You, you have the Holy Spirit, and you're following Jesus. And basically, he says, you're, you're faithful where you live. A lot of us all, we like to say, well, it would be easier if we lived somewhere else. A lot of times people, you know, I talk to couples, and they go, we just need to move. They go, there's only going to be one problem with the move. They're not getting along. They're thinking about getting divorced. And they go, we just need to move and we'll be fine. I go, there's only going to be one problem. They go, what? I go, where you're moving, you will be. (laughs) (laughs) So so no matter where you go, you're going to be there. And so if you're compromised, you're compromised. And so a lot of people running away to where they think it's easier, and then they get to where they are, and they're like, oh, it's not so great here. Jesus says, you hold fast to my name, my name, Jesus. So did you, have you ever noticed it's okay to talk to people about God, but they don't want to hear about Jesus? Yeah, that's a really common thing. You talked about God. Oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. But just tell them, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Oh, well, see you later, buddy. I don't want to talk about that. You keep that stuff private. Don't talk about that stuff here. Now, the Roman government wanted people to worship the emperor, Thank God our country's not quite there yet. <laughs> It'd be a rather uncomfortable moment for us. But the church said, no, not going to happen. Not going to do it. Not going to worship the emperor. Now, in this city, as through much of the Roman Empire, and still a lot of places in our country, the love of the state was a god. And I think for a lot of us now in the church, we need to be careful of this. I want to go on record, I love the United States of America. This country has been good to me beyond measure. Good to my ancestors who came here from Ireland. They didn't have two nickels to rub together. Okay? Somehow they always found money for beer, but they didn't have two nickels to rub together. (laughs) But this country has been very good to us. I love the United States. However, patriotism can morph into idolatry if we're not careful. So let's all be very, very much aware. Vote, yes. Get involved in the system, yes. But do not let it become your God. So these guys were in this city living for the glory of Christ, 
for the reputation of Jesus even in the city of Satan. They hung in there when the pressure was great, right? There's always going to be pressure on us to conform to certain things. He's going to talk about some of that stuff in a minute. There'll always be pressure on us. But some of them were hanging in when pressure was great, even when one of their own, Antipas, who Jesus calls my faithful martyr, was killed. So they, did, they weren't like, that's it, I'm out of here. They killed one of our guys, I'm not doing it. I'm not worshiping Jesus anymore. They didn't do that. And Jesus commends both his and theirs costly allegiance as he honored the Lord Jesus unto death. And the church did by, in other ways, by staying still a church. I guess the point of the commendation and the encouragement is this, is you follow Jesus in a place where it's hard to follow Jesus. That may be your very own house. That may be, you know, your work, your job, your family, wherever, wherever. And Jesus says, please don't think I don't see it. I see it indeed. Jesus knows what's hard for you in your life, and Jesus cares. He notices and he cares. Even if no one else in your life cares, Jesus knows and Jesus cares. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you are following under difficult circumstances, you are entitled to and you are going to receive his commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you will hear. And he promises to be with you as he was with this man Antipas, even all the way unto death. Do you think Antipas cares right now? Not at all. Do you think he's glad that he chose Jesus over the pressures of the culture? You better believe it. You better believe it. The guy's in the Bible. You're going to meet him someday in heaven. You'll be like, I know you. I thought your name was Antipasto, right? <laughs> read, read too quickly in the morning. But man, I know you, dude. You're serious business. You're the real deal. That takes us to number three, the complaint. Oh, we could camp out here forever. There's another service coming, Jim. Don't talk too long. Verse 14. But I have a few things against you because you have there those or some. It's not everybody, but there's a problem with even those that are like this. Who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. So Jesus notes two compromises. Eating things sacrificed to idols, there's your theology. And committing sexual immorality, there's your ethics. But the way Jesus introduces it is shows the poison of compromise. He says that some of you, like, and he'll talk, we'll talk about Balaam and Balak in a minute, put a stumbling block before others. Some of you were causing others to stumble, to stumble over their faith. You know, if you, maybe you trip on something, you're like, oh, I didn't see that, or, or I tripped over that. That's what was going on. So Jesus takes them back to the book of Numbers, back in the Old Testament. And they were near the end of the wandering in the wilderness with Moses, and King Balak of, of Moab wanted to defeat the people of God. 
So what does he do? Nothing he's doing is working, so he goes out and he calls Rent-A-Profit. Do you ever call Rent-A-Profit? Don't do it. Don't do it. He calls Rent-A-Profit, and a fellow by the name of Balaam, and he says, I, I'm going to pay you to curse the people of God. Now, this is, you know, you ever hear of Balaam's donkey? And you know how God spoke through a donkey? Some of you are like, yeah, we see it every Sunday, Pastor Jim. <laughs> this story would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Balaam, rent-a-prophet, tries to curse God's people, but he can't. He's unable to curse them. Ah, so he goes to the next best thing. If you can't curse them, then what can you do? You can corrupt them. That's what he does. And he promotes false religion, false theology, shave theology, and immorality. How does he do it? Well, what he does is he introduces the Israelite men to the women of Moab. And most of these guys are married, but they, you know, they can redefine marriage. Well, you know, it's, it, it's okay. And that, therefore, compromises their morality. So the Israelites sacrificed to their gods. It's okay, it's religion. It doesn't matter what church you go to as long as you go to a church, right? No, wrong. Eh, wrong. So they sacrificed to their gods and they ate the meat all in the name of religion. And 24,000 Israelites died. Guess who wasn't happy about what was going on? The one who brings the sword. The one who brings the sword. Here in Pergamos, perhaps in an effort to fit in better or stay under the radar, some of the people in the church gave in. If you ask them, are you giving up your faith? Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. You know, the classic reply is this. We just don't want to be legalistic. That's the one you hear today. We just don't want to be realistic. We want to be loving. We had a guy here many, many years ago, and he was asking out virtually every girl in the church. And then we found out later on that he was married, right? I met his wife at this thing, and, and she's like, hi, I'm his wife. I'm like, he's married? I tried to be very calm about it. I was like, oh, nice. But <laughs> inside, I'm going, he's married? So I yank him in. That dude probably had about 150 pounds on me. He was a big dude, right, strong. And I said, uh, met your wife. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw you talking to her. I said, and you've been asking girls out at the church here? And he goes, yeah, I know. And I said, you can't ask girls out if you're married. And he goes, that's kind of legalistic. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Of course, then he says, well, where's the grace? I said, you're getting it now. I'm going to give you one more chance. And then the next girl you're out, we're going to boot you out of this place. All right, you ask out, we're going to boot you out of this place. But that's the way some people are. Now, what were they saying back then? Perhaps it was something like this. Well, per, you know, my, my friends and my family, my boss, they invited me to their temple. I got to go. I got to go. I bring some meat. You know, it's, you got to bring something there. They said you got to bring something. You bring some meat. We sacrifice it to their idol. And then we go to the picnic area and we eat some of the meat that's left over. It's not a big deal. You know, come on, we read the Bible. The Apostle Paul said you can eat the meat, just don't go to the temple and do it. But now you're bringing it to the temple and doing it. Perhaps that's what's going on. Jesus says, 
That's a compromised faith. The truth is, there are some places that a follower of Jesus does not belong. Now, is that different for all of us? Maybe so. Let me give you an example. If people invite me to a party where there's going to be a bunch of people that are drinking, I used to drink a lot, but I have absolutely no desire to drink at all anymore. In fact, I love it when people ask me if I want to drink. Some of you heard me say this before. I'm like, they're like, you want to drink? You want a beer? I go, no, thank you. Right? Now, you know when somebody offers you something like that, they're coming back, don't you? I'm actually praying they're coming back. I'm like, Lord, please let them ask me again. And then they'll go, you sure you don't want a beer? And I go, I don't drink. Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> right? <laughs> or I'll say, if I'm really feeling, I'll say, would you like to know why? Right? So I can go to a place like that. I can go to a bar. Doesn't bother me. Right? I'm just walking around talking to people. You know, look like I'm, look like I'm drinking. I got my sparkling water with my, uh, with my lime in it or something like that. I'm just talking. About, I can go there. I will not go to a place where there are girls dancing on a stage, okay? I will not. Why? Because I'm a married man. I don't think a single guy should go to that place either, if you're a Christian guy. But that's past the limit for me. That's past the limit for me, okay? But others of you, you shouldn't be within 20 feet of somebody with alcohol. You shouldn't be. It's a potential stumbling block for you. In Acts chapter 15... The Jerusalem Council met on circumcision, and they sent out a letter to all the churches, and this is what they include in this, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Again, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul dealt extensively with this. Why? Because it was a real problem for them, and now, decades later, it still is, because 1 Corinthians was written many years before Revelation was, and in many ways, today it still is. You're like, no, we don't sacrifice meat to idols. Oh, it, it just looks different. But the results are the same. The Corinthians had their excuses, as does today's theologically and morally compromised church. And I'm telling you, when I mention it, those of you who have heard this stuff, you come out of the woodwork and you're like, you can't believe all the stuff we're hearing. Like my friend told me this. I, didn't, I, I thought they were kidding me. But this stuff that's going on, I mean, a guy came to me recently and, or called me recently and he told me about this church he was going to. He used to go here and he was like, it was like a club. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it was like a club. And so where there's smoke, there is fire. And where, when the theology is off, other things often are, including sexual immorality. So in Satan's city, his servants will come into the church. At the very least, somehow his teaching will get into the church as it comes in via the hearts of compromised people. They will wear you down, or the media will wear you down, or some other way if we are not strong in the Lord. All right, now I got to get on the soapbox just for a couple minutes. It's been a while since I've been on the soapbox but I'm going to get on for a couple of minutes. The internet has a lot of wonderful things about it. A lot of wonderful, you can find a lot of information. Those of us who study the Bible or write messages, we used to use this thing called the Strong's Concordance. To try, we're like, which we couldn't think of, a, we knew a verse, 
and we're like, oh, where is that? And you look it up. Now you just Google it. <laughs> and there it is. So there's a lot of things that are good on the internet, but there's a lot of really bad things on the internet. If I had to make a choice, I think I'd rather live without it because I'm exposed, as a pastor, I'm exposed to a lot of the bad. For example, the internet has produced a ton of pornography addicts. It's staggering how many. The target audience is middle school boys. If they can get you then, they can get you whenever. And, and where, where is the internet? Right on your hip, right in your pocket, right? It's right there. It's right there. That's all, that's all it takes. And that produces a number of other issues. Many sociologists and psychologists have tied social media for being responsible with the tremendous changes in sexuality in today's young people. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.